Gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California Imperial. It's a joy to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy, right here, right now, I get the chance to talk to the big kahuna from the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast, Empire. Ladies and gentlemen, this guy right here, he is the one, he is the only, he's the incomparable. Mr. John Paz, how are you, sir? Thank you. Great intro. Wow. I don't know if I can keep up with that, but thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're very welcome. And it's uh, it's great to have the chance to talk to you. Uh, you know, you've been doing what you've been doing, uh, I believe, since 2015. Is that correct? As far as the podcast yeah. world's concerned? Yep. Seven years, almost eight years now. Yeah. Crazy enough. Wow. Yeah. I, I think I've only been doing about two, two and a half. So I, I, I jumped into the scene when it was already... Uh, very uh, much a, a busy world. As you know. jumped into the shark tank full of sharks. They're already <laughs> swimming in the waters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but John, first of all, every single time I have someone on this show, it's the same question that starts the show. How did you become a wrestling fan when you were a young man? So it's, it's like a few things at one, but it like all comes together. And I love like my whole family kind of not whole family, a lot of my family like wrestling to begin with, but I was born in, in the early eighties. And really my dad was in se- selling insurance to Pedro Morales, which is crazy because we're from New Jersey and he's from New Jersey. So it's, it's a little bit of a tie in. Um, he wasn't a huge fan, but he followed it and watched it. Like if you said to him, like, you know, Hey, did you know George animal still? Of course I know George. Animal. Hey, do you know Bruno Sammartino? Of course I know. Like, like he wasn't watching per se, but he watched. So he wasn't like a huge fan, but he definitely watched and was somewhat of a fan. I guess you could say casual fan. So he knew everybody. Uh, he liked Ivan Putski because he was Polish and we're Polish. So that was kind of like a little bit of an intro, but I don't know if he was watching it or if it just happened to be on TV, but it was probably around 85 ish Hulk Hogan was on and like, boom, forget about it. Fall in love with the Hulkster. That's like the, the end all be all. So I was probably too young to even remember like, Hey, did dad turn it on? Were we watching wrestling? Did he, you know, did he want us to watch it or, or not? But it was, it was the Hulkster for sure. And my cousins, which was great. They were about 10 years older than me, but they had the large Hogan standup. So I remember we would go to the house, we'd visit my aunt and my cousins were there and they had this gigantic Hogan standup. So that's like, Oh my God, that's Hulk. He, he's a God. Hogan. Um, all the other guys are great too, but he was the one that like you had your eye on, you focused on, you loved, um, without a shadow of doubt it, it was the hulkster that got me into it but my dad like i said he definitely liked it he was definitely a, like a fan of it and he even sold insurance to pedro morales which was great which was like a feather in my cap whenever people were like oh i was oh, i was a big wrestling fan I was like yeah but your dad never sold the insurance to pedro morales the former wwf world champion <laughs> that is very cool bro um so, I mean, this is really, uh, this is exciting for me to ask another wrestling fan. Uh, back in those days, you, you, cause I knew I became a fan in like 1998. So I was born in 87. 
Um, so I've missed out on a bit. Uh, a yep. lot. <laughs> you got to be a fan during that Hulkamania era. Uh, and as you said, a, a little Hulkamaniac as well. Um, could you tell me a little bit about your experiences as a fan as you grew up during those times? Uh, because that would have been pretty exciting, especially considering where you lived in the country. To me, growing up in the Northeast, we'd go to some house shows. Uh, we'd go to uh, Madison Square Garden. We'd go to the Meadowlands. I mean, we went to a bunch of shows. But the whole thing was like, man, this is like the golden era of wrestling. I always say it's the Hogan era. I'd even do the, the show, the Hogan era. It really is the Hogan era because everything predicated on him. And it wasn't like, okay, I, I love wrestling. I love this guy. You were emotionally invested as a kid. Like you literally were like lived and breathed. It's like, oh shit, he slammed Andre the Giant. Oh shit, King Kong Bundy is a, is a nasty, disgusting human being and Hogan's got to beat him. Um, him versus Savage. I remember I loved Macho Man, but as soon as Macho Man was the bad guy, quote unquote, even though some people like to say Hogan was the bad guy when they really rewatched a few, but I still say Macho Man's a bit. Like I hated Macho Man for a while. It wasn't like, Oh, I, oh, I love this wrestling. Like you're so invested in it as a fan of that age. You just like, you fall in love. You get all the action figures, you get, you know, towels and toys and video games and board games and, and uh, pencil erasers. I mean, everything, you know, revolved around wrestling, but it was like Hogan's the tippy top. He's the head of head of the table, wherever he's the, the top of the mountain. So everything he does, you fall in love with it. and everything under that you kind of then start to like the other characters as well but like to me it's it's not even like oh this guy just great moves when you're that young and you're that into it it's like you're emotionally invested and you're like living breathing and dying with the characters absolutely and it's interesting that you mentioned like kind of all those opponents in those early wrestlemania um uh you know uh main events uh and i just want to nerd out with you for a little bit here uh i don't care if anyone else out there doesn't find this interesting i want to know how did you feel about the ultimate warrior situation how did you feel as a fan hogan always seemed to be the top guy then you witness ultimate warrior come in you know because i had some friends who told me that oh they were always a hogan guy but then they liked the ultimate warrior so they they had a hard time picking or choosing how was that for you as a young fan Oh man, I remember this vividly because we were at my buddy's house. I think I, I was seven at this point, uh, WrestleMania six. So I, I liked Warrior all leading up to this. So when he's fighting and feuding with Hogan, I'm like, okay, I could like Warrior a little bit as long as Hulk beats him. So we were watching me, my brother, and my buddy with my grandfather, or not my grandfather, my friend's grandfather. And he never tells us that it's fake or, the, you know, you know, fake might be the wrong word but never stage it at these guys you know blah blah he and he never breaks and he never tells us so warrior beats hogan and you know i break down i'm crying i can't believe it i was so pissed i was just angry yeah he, my friend's grandfather said, he's like ah, get over it it's all right you know whatever but he doesn't say like yeah this isn't real he didn't really loot like he wanted us to you know keep that emotional investment so kudos to him for like not breaking kayfabe and telling us like because we you know we're all crying upset that Hulkster lost the the, the mortal he he never loses how you know unless he gets screwed by Andre and DiBiase but and the Hebners but it's like mm. Hogan doesn't lose so man I hated hated the Ultimate Warrior after that <laughs> uh, the next year WrestleMania seven when he feuded with Macho Man you would think I'm rooting for Warrior I wanted Macho Man to retire his ass and then he retired Macho Man and then I got <laughs> even more mad so I didn't like him literally again until WrestleMania eight when he saved Hogan from Papa Shango and Sid. So I literally went from like liking him to like, eh, maybe I could like him a little bit as long as he loses to Hulk. Then he beats Hulk. I hate his guts. And then I hated him 
uh, the year later against Macho Man, and then I finally was able to forgive him and like him again at WrestleMania 8 when he saved Hulk. <laughs> of course, because he saved Hulk. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> That's fantastic. And a couple of things I wanted to branch off from there. Um, uh, you must have, first of all, loved seeing Savage nail Warrior with the scepter in the head uh, and, yes. and see him go down there. But it must have also been quite the relief to have Hogan back on top after beating Sergeant Mania. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, but I, it's I funny because you would think like I would be rooting for Warrior <laughs> over Sarge. He's like a turncoat, yeah. but I wanted Sarge to win just because <laughs> I don't know. I was like, screw Warrior, man. I was like, he beat Hulk. Like I was, I held a grudge for for years. Wow, that's great. Um, it's such a magic. It's like it's like Santa Claus almost. Uh, and I wish I could say that I. When I was when I was little, the first time I saw wrestling, uh, my dad was in the room and I was like, whoa, what is this? Within 30 seconds, I was blown away. And my dad quickly jumped in and said, oh, it's, it's not. He wanted to make sure that I didn't know or that I he, didn't, he wanted to make sure that I didn't think it was real. Yeah, because yeah, I believed it straight away. He wanted to like spoil it straight away. I don't know why. So that magic never really got to be there for me. Um, so I just think it's really cool that you got to have that magic for a little while there. Um, yes. When did the when did when was that magic over? When did you kind of realize that it's not that way? And did it really affect your fandom at all? That's funny. Like I was probably maybe like nine or ten or something. And you start to realize, but it didn't affect the fandom at all. If not, it like almost enhanced it. To to, to be honest, like it's weird. Like you would think, like oh that. They know it's scripted and like, oh, they're like, no, it never affected it at all. I mean, I've pretty much loved wrestling and been obsessed with it, you know, since 85, probably. And it never kind of ended, even though I knew what was going on or I was smart to it. I didn't care. It actually made me like it even more. Right. Cool. I remember when I was, you know, I must have been 12, 13. I, I, I was like, okay, like, I know that this is predetermined and all that, but when Scott Steiner does it, it's real. For some reason, I always just yes. thought Scott Steiner are like, for some reason, he's allowed to do it for real. And and also the big boss man. I also thought he was yeah, allowed to do yeah. it for real. My little brain, for some reason, that's what it came up with. <laughs> um, that is true, though. There's certain guys, like even like Goldberg, you know, for a period of time, like, man, he's stiffing the shit out of these guys. And maybe he wasn't just a little bit, but obviously, you know, it, he's he's a part of the show, too. But <laughs> in your head, for some reason, you're like, oh, that's awesome. This guy, you know, he's so tough or oh, he's stiffing these guys. And like you kind of you fall for it. But I love that. I love that kind of aspect because you almost like you fall back into being a kid again, almost. That's exactly. Yeah, it, it's great when uh, the suspension of disbelief is, is, yep. is that they've done their job and you forgot for a second. Even if yeah. it's just for a second, that's the magic. Um, yep. I, I got to continue on with my questions. I did branch off of, of, for a, in a few different directions there, but I just I, I couldn't help myself. Uh, before podcasting, were you just just a fan? What did you do? Did you do anything to do with wrestling before podcasting? Did you write articles or anything like that? Please tell me. So I was doing a little bit for like blogs and stuff. Like my brother had his uh, like a, a sports blog. I was just doing a little bit of writing there, doing some like written interviews. Like for instance, like Nigel McGuinness was one of my first big ones. I would send him the questions and he'd email me back the answers. And then we'd post them on the site. So nothing crazy, but years before that, I would do some conventions. So I'd be working with some wrestlers. Um, I befriended in, in the early 2000s, just incredible PJ Polacco. And he did a little bit of training with me. So he kind of helped me a little bit there. And I never I had a really bad, back and i know maybe i kind of regret not getting into it but i would probably be crippled right now just because i played football my whole life and just ended up 
uh, always having a, just a terrible back and like no flexibility, but 10 years of football probably did not help. So I did a little bit of training. I was like, I don't know if this is really probably good for my body physically, but I would always try to, um, just be a part of the scene. Like I would go to a ton of ring of honor shows. I probably went to 50 or hundred ring of honor shows in my area, whether it was like New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, uh, like everywhere that they had shows. I, I pretty much, um, went down Baltimore. I mean, I went to like just a ton of those shows wherever I could see them, uh, would go. So it was always just maintain a fan would kind of do conventions in the convention scene and bring in guys and do autograph signing stuff. So I always had some sort of attachment to the business, whether it was like a pseudo, convention vendor or just as, as a fan at the conventions or even doing a moderate training with with pj or just really just trying to write some stuff and some blogs and just whatever i can do to kind of be a fringe member of like the business just because i loved it so much all right awesome uh that's uh interesting to hear and uh i guess my next question is two questions in one uh when did you first see or hear of a wrestling podcast and uh, what made you decide to to jump in uh, and get into it? And, and how did you navigate your way in into to starting um, your own one? Really, the only one I know there was other ones out there, but the only one I really paid attention to or really knew about was Colt Cabana. He was kind of like the godfather of it. And because even when I started, I don't even know if Conrad was even doing podcasts. Yeah, no. I don't think he was. So um I think I was even before him, but I, I just remember, I know MLW did some stuff and I think Bruce Pritchard at one point had one before Conrad that wasn't that popular, but really it was Colt Cabana. That was kind of the one that I was like, man, this guy's doing this. This is great. And it, it just almost seems like this is so much fun. This is so cool. You're just kind of riffing and talking about wrestling. Hey, if somebody listed that, that would be great too. Like how, how awesome would that be? So I started to hear some others like smaller podcasts as, as you know, starting to go. And I'm like, man, they don't really know anything. Like, you know, I've been watching wrestling forever. You know, I, I, I'm on all the dirt sheets, uh, subscribing at one point to Meltzer. Uh, you know, I'm reading the torch with Wade Keller, subscribing to him at, uh, at one point. Like I just was always overly consumed with like knowing stuff about the business. It's like you almost can't never, uh, I guess that's double negative, but you, you can never have enough information about wrestling. Like you, you could always be learning, yeah. even though that, that sounds crazy. Oh, it's wrestling. It's bullshit, but there's so much stuff out there, you know, different organizations behind the scenes, attendance, how much money they're making, what's the payoff, um, how they work in the matches. What are the agents do? What are the, was the promoter? Like there's a million things to talk about with wrestling. I mean, there's so much on the surface. It's fine, but below the surface, there's so much about wrestling. So I felt like, man, I was like, I know so much more about some of these other people and I can maybe do something different than, Cold Cabana because he's in the business, he's famous, and I'm a fan. Maybe I can kind of go a different direction. And I just thought, like, you know, I'd love to interview these guys and kind of just start that way. So you almost start small and you start interviewing some indie guys, and you, you kind of get your foot wet. And, and you know, and I knew PJ, and I kind of knew Nigel McGinnis because I, I've interviewed him for, and, and you know, and, and a couple other guys. So then you start kind of growing. And really, like the first interview I really ever did, I reached out to Jeff Jarrett. So shockingly. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't like, you almost want to start small. And, and I did do a bunch of the indie guys, but the first guy was Jarrett. And I sent them over some of my blog stuff that I've written and some of the interviews that I did uh, for the blog that was just strictly written. There was no audio. So I did it with him and we did an audio interview. And that was the, the first one I ever did. And he sometimes reminds me, Hey, you owe me one. You owe me one. Cause I've stayed friendly with him throughout the years. Even a few months ago, I reached out to him and he's like, he's like, you know, 
pause. He's like, you still owe me one. Like just totally joke. Like he's such an awesome guy. It's like, wow. <laughs> amazing to have like that kind of relationship with, with Jeff Jarrett, a guy I loved. I loved him as a wrestler. Just, but it's like, man, that's crazy as hell to think like somebody's first interview was Jeff Jarrett, like former <laughs> four time WCW champion, six time intercontinental champion. I mean, it's just awesome. So he kind of like opened the door and it's kind of cool to say like, Hey, to when you're you know mentioning to the next guy, hey, I've interviewed Jeff Jarrett before. You know, I'm not like a nobody, even though I kind of am a nobody yeah. at this point. But I've interviewed Jeff, and he gave me a shot. Which you know, you gave me a shot. So you start building from there, and then it's like, who's the next big name? It's like George Animal Steel came on, then Ivan Koloff, and uh, some uh, somehow uh, my buddy when I was originally doing the show with him, his brother, uh, his brother's boss was best friends with Kane. So then Kane came on and did a little thing with it wasn't really a written thing uh it was more of a written thing with Shawn michaels but we sent that to kane and said oh we kind of did this thing with with michaels but it wasn't it wasn't audio he's like oh that's pretty cool michaels oh you had george animal steel how'd you get steel like it was cool kind of cultivating a relationship with kane through his buddy and he came on and that opened doors so then was able to get dusty Rhodes on like so it's one of those things where it's like snowball effect it's like okay you get um jeff then you get George Animal Steel, then Kane, then Dusty Rhodes. And I feel like Dusty opened some doors because unfortunately it was his last ever interview. It was two ways, two days oh, before he passed. Yeah. So it was like very bittersweet because it's like, okay, we got some notoriety because of the Dusty's last interview. And the whole thing was we wanted to do more with him. I mean, God, we wanted to interview him all the time, wanted to do a podcast, we want to do all this stuff with him. So it was bittersweet. It's like, okay, we got notoriety off of it, but it sucks because we wanted to work with him and we love Dusty. So uh, getting Dusty was awesome and and just talking to him and and setting it up with him <laughs> was unreal. That was like the first time I like was like marking out, e- even though George Steele and Kane are awesome. That was like, I'm talking to Dusty and I'm you know, you're mute. You're like, yes, you know, Dusty Rhodes, <laughs> hell yeah. You know, you know, F yeah, Dusty Rhodes, this is cool as hell. And then the unmute is like, oh yeah, Dustin. You know, he's like, yeah, Johnny, <laughs> when do you want to do it? And he kept calling me John, Johnny, you know, acting. So it was a snowball effect. So like Cole Cabana kind of sets it off. Then somehow you get Jeff and, and you're doing the blog stuff, but then you kind of sense shit, you know, this could be something. I got Jeff Jarrett and then it just starts snowballing and rolling from there. Right. That's awesome. Great to hear uh, about how it worked for you. I mean, uh, the, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of people out there that kind of have uh, you know, semi-popular podcasts that uh, haven't reached that, that, that bit yet. Like I'm still kind of, I'm doing all right, but I'm still waiting for that moment where I, I finally kind of break through and, and to become a little bit more well-known. But that's okay. I'll get there one day. Uh, yeah, you'll get there. <laughs> only you know, only a couple of years in. <laughs> uh, so speaking of um, like lessons, lessons that you learned early on uh, when you're doing, uh, uh, you know, the early days, 2015, 16, what are some things that you're learning um, through the process of each interview that you're doing? So never take anything personally. Like if somebody says no, or that you get ignored, or if the, the person no shows or something, you just never take it personally. You have to learn. It's the first thing you got to learn. Wrestlers are flaky as hell. They forget. They don't write in their calendars or they don't write in their book. They, they're doing something else. They're out with their family. Uh, they're, they're food shopping and you call them like, oh, shit, is that today? Is that right? You know what I mean? So you, you just got to realize they're flaky. Then you got to realize never take anything personally. And then you got to realize negativity could be a good thing because you're just kind of piling up the nose because then that means that there's going to be a bunch of more yeses. So there could be a cold streak. And then mm. there's gonna, the hot streak is going to follow it. So it's one of those things you just try to stay positive because I've done. I mean, God, it's like, I think it's over 800 interviews that I've done. 
Um, it may be even more than that. I mean, it's just a crazy amount, but to, to look at how many of the no's, so it's like, eight, oh, 800 yeses, but God, there's probably 800 no's along the way. <laughs> and even somebody that said no this time, they might not say no the next time. So you just, you, you never give up. Um, not, not never harass the wrestler or bother them, but you just don't mm. want to give up. you like, and say, Oh, the guy said, no, Oh, I'm never going to get him. Cause you never know. You, you mean, he, he might say yes again, or he might have something he wants to promote. Cause I've had guys where once, once upon a time they said no. And then they reach back out and like, Hey, you know, I got a book or I got a podcast. Like I was something I want to promote. So it's like, sure. So you never like hold a grudge either. Like, Oh, you said no to me. I'm not helping promote. It's like, of course, like why? So to me, I never say no either. Like if somebody, um wants wants to come on the show it's like sure you know what i mean like what you know why would say no let's have a good conversation let's see what what we can promote for you or let's you know see if we can you know have just have a fun conversation amongst fans or friends or whatever so to me it's one of the things is that you you can't take anything personally but you got to realize these guys no offense to a lot of them they are flaky as hell so you just you just have to roll with the punches with them sometimes yeah, I, I, I've learned that too. Uh, there have been, because I mean, I live in Australia, so it could be a little bit more frustrating because mm. I could be in the earlier days when I was really trying to pump out quite a lot of content. I might be sitting there at one o'clock in the morning, waiting, 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 and then I never hear anything. But I yep. never got upset. That would always be apologetic and we'll try it again. And if it just didn't work out, it didn't work out. Um, because there's as a pet peeve of mine is that, there was a guy that I used to kind of talk to who was who did a podcast. Uh, um, I'm not going to name any names, but um, somebody didn't show up for his interview and he decided to call them out on Twitter over it. Turned out oh, that there was a real legitimate emergency. Yeah. And yeah, never do that. Um, I was like pretty disgusted with him and uh, I didn't talk to him again after that. And I think he stopped his, his show now. But yeah, you know, it's just, it, I, it just, some people uh, shouldn't be doing this, that you need to have patience. You need to understand that a lot of these people have landed on their head a few times. So uh, it's. Yeah. Never, ever call them out because that's like, you're taking it personally. Never take yeah. it personally like that. It's not, it's not like, Oh, screw this guy. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to him. Even though I told him, yes, it's like something probably came up or they forgot or, you know, or it could be a real life situation. got in an accident or something. You know what I mean? It's just, you, you just never know. And some of the best interviews I've had have been because they missed the first or second time. And now they're like, oh, I got to make it up to him. I'll give him a really good interview. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) I've Um, had like, like Dolph Ziggler, when I interviewed him, it's so funny. He's supposed to do a certain time. And I'm like, that's so funny because this is the night of like a wrestling show. So I was like, there's no way he's scheduling for this time. But I guess he thought he'd be out earlier. So he, he misses the time. So I'm like, oh, man, that sucks. That would have been a big one. That would have been a cool one. So he texted me like an hour later. He goes, bro, I'm so sorry. I got out of wrestling later. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like, that's what I was thinking originally. I didn't want to like mention it to him. I was like, I think you're going to be missing this. So he texted me. He goes, you want to do it now? I'm like, yeah. So it was like an hour later. But I knew he was still in the freaking show. So I was like, I'm not going to like, <laughs> oh, Ziggler, no show. You know what I mean? Like, I, I knew what was going on. It was it was no problem. But it was really cool. Like he just reached out to me and then saying, Oh buddy, I'm sorry. Like, let's do it. If you want to, we could do it now. Sorry. I'm an hour late. And he was awesome. He was like almost more accommodating 
because he felt bad. You know what I mean? Not felt bad, yeah. but he was like, oh, he goes, sorry, man. It, it sucks. You know, you're probably waiting. I was like, actually, I was watching like the Yankee game or something. I was like, I was watching TV. So I was like, I was just kind of waiting for you. And he's like, oh, no problem. So then they, you know, they'll give you, you know, they'll, they'll give you, maybe give you longer. Or they'll give you more. They give you a good answer. So yeah, that's one of the things where we, I don't know, you just never call the guy out or take it personally. Cause who knows? They couldn't literally could be wrestling at that point and, and thought they'd be out of the show quicker. So yeah. Um, so uh, speaking of pet peeves, I wanted to know other interviewers, other podcasters, do you have any pet peeves where, you know, maybe before you start doing it yourself and, you know, you think to yourself, oh, you know, geez, I, I feel like I know more than this guy. Um, anytime, like, what would you say is your pet peeves that other people do? And then this one I, I've seen pretty close to home. I mean, I've seen this no, like no research or like the question it will be like so like vague or weird it's like man did you even research like i know like you think you know the guy but always research beforehand and i noticed some of the interviews i was like shocked i was like okay like uh, like for instance let's say like brooklyn brawler stuff like all right i know brooklyn brawler's career from a to z but just re-immerse yourself with it or look him up beforehand or do something just to get your brain flowing it in that spot. Yes, I may know everything about him, but I haven't thought about Brawler in you know in, in a month or something. So it's like let's reimmerse ourselves. So that's a big pet peeve when the guy doesn't really know his subject. Like it, it but dude, like there's the fucking internet. Oh, sorry, I don't know if you're cursing here, but like there's oh, yeah, the he internet. Can, okay, you can uh, Okay, uh, sorry about that. But uh, it's like, there's <laughs> Google, there's the internet, there's, uh, you know, there's a million different sites and stuff. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say like, oh, just check Wikipedia or something. I mean, really immerse yourself and do some research because sometimes that's just like mind boggling because, okay, the guy who you're interviewing probably assumes that you know who he is and know, you know, you know stuff about <laughs> his career. You don't want to, be a know-it-all and be like, oh, you know, oh, you know, you, you beat this guy here and there. You kind of want them to say it and them to open up with it. But you also want to have some sort of frame of reference and some sort of background where you're not just like almost like going in with a blank slate. That's sometimes I hear that and I just have to turn it off. I'm like, that's like that just come on, like you got to know stuff. And I know that might be like um like a weird fandom in me that like, oh, everybody, you know, not everybody should know everything, but everybody should know a little bit. <laughs> especially if you're interviewing the guy jesus christ like do a little bit of like research so i always find it funny and i've and i've heard shows where they're like i think that happened or whatever like and i and, and i've been guilty of that before i'm like i think you've wrestled rob van dam but then i quickly make sure i look it up and you know what i mean i'm like yes you did on on, on june 2nd or something you know what i mean so it's it, it's one of those things where i feel like you got to have some sort of frame of reference and i that's just the biggest pet peeve of me when the guy does no research i hate that yeah, I, I, I like to really dig deep in the research and try and find something that maybe that might not have been asked before. So I'll go into cagedmatch.net and I'll look at their Ooh, match great, history. Great resource. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes you'll be like, oh, shit. Like he worked with Abdullah the Butcher on, you know, at this, like it might be someone that I wouldn't have even thought would ever work with him. Right. So then I'll bring it up. They'll be like, oh, man, no one's ever asked about that. Yeah. Like, and then they'll get a really yes. good story out of it. So yeah. yes, and that's it's like different than when they've done another interview too. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. like, I find that to be really good, but I wanted to tell you this little story of, of something that, was, that really got me mad. A guy was, it was a video interview. They were sitting with Kane. It was one guy. And I think like his buddy was with him who was joining in on the interview. And the guy asked Kane like, Oh, you know, what if you just like, just, in the Royal Rumble just started 
just actually throwing everyone out and, and went to try and shoot win the thing. And I was like, you have Kane on the show and you're wasting his time with something. If Jokey, he did that, stupid stuff. Yeah, if he did that, he'd get into so much shit with everybody. I just couldn't believe that, he, that there was someone there asking a dumb question. And the you see the look on Kane's face. He scrunched his face up and was like, no, you wouldn't do that. And I was like, why are you wasting his time? So it's just yeah. things like that. That drives me crazy. But also um, there are times where an interviewer can be really uh, get this great answer from their guest and you think the natural progression is for you to branch off here because it's right there. I, that question, that follow-up question is right there. Please don't. And then they just move on with their line of questioning. That drives yep. me crazy as yep. well. <laughs> I was listening a while ago to this interview and then I never would listen to this person ever again. I won't say who it is, but they're interviewing somebody and the guest, you could tell the guest specifically mentioned a story because he wanted to talk about this match that he had with this legend. So he goes, oh, man, I wrestled him. And you could tell he was super excited. So I'm like, oh, I was like, I didn't realize he freaking wrestled him. I was like, that's great. Let's hear the story. I'm like, hmm, okay. The host completely ignored it and went to a different direction. I was like, the guest like mentioned it specifically <laughs> so they could talk about the legend because it's one of the things where like, if you looked it up, you're like, no way you wrestled. And they're like, Oh, she like cage match. I'm like, Oh shit. They freaking wrestled like that. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. So I never listened to that guy again, but I was like, what the <laughs> hell? I was like, that would have been a really cool story. Like to delve into that. Like, man, like just cause it's so rare and random, but the, the legend is so well known that people would have been like, that's freaking awesome. You wrestled him. Let's hear the story. There's no story. <laughs> we didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. That's great stuff. Thanks for sharing all that, bro. Um, uh, next up, next question, difficulties with guests. Um, and only in the sense of really you've been doing it since 2015. So surely this situation has come about talking to this person you can tell that they're not in the mood you're true you're going to try and make that connection somehow what is it that you maybe you've learned yourself on how to make that connection if it appears that your guest isn't showing a lot of interest so i had to learn this like the hard way and this is from doing this for seven eight years because you think like when you do interviews because i've even for work i've had to interview people for like hiring people because at one point you know, I'm doing this job and they're like, oh, by the way, can you also do this? So then they put me in charge of like hiring people. So I was like, oh, okay. So like, even then, like, like you have experience doing, it, you think you do it, but the guests are unpredictable. So you have to almost be not on guard, but I'd say be ready for anything because this is something I learned the hard way where I even talked to the guest afterwards. And he's like, yeah, he goes, man, you just kept chugging through. And I didn't really feel like talking about wrestling as much. And that was like, yeah. So now like in your mind, you'll become paranoid, but you almost have to like be ready for like little cues of like shorter answers, vague answers, them not being too thrilled with some of the questions, like even like a voice change a little bit. Like you can kind of tell, like, I don't know, maybe it's, that's being like ultra paranoid, but you kind of got to be sensitive to some of that stuff because and I listened back. I'm like, he's totally right. I could tell he all his answers got short. He didn't really want to talk about wrestling. So now I had to learn that the hard way. And there'll be different guests where you want to go talk about this or that. And they do want to talk about wrestling. So you kind of have to play it by ear and almost get a sense of the guy. So when you're first starting to talk to him and you're starting to create a rapport and some chemistry, you want to see if you gel. But you got to see like, OK, what's he into? And you, this is obviously where the background comes into. You got to know the guy's background. Because if you're talking to a guy and he loves MMA and you don't mention MMA and stuff, 
it, it's okay, but you probably should have because you probably could have got a better answer, or maybe the guy becomes more engaged because you start mentioning stuff like, oh shit, I love you know I love MMA or you know baseball, like I love and you. Know, you can kind of get them more engaged, so you kind of have to be very sensitive and cognizant. It's almost like you're doing the interview. Don't relax, relax a little bit, but don't totally relax. Like be ready to kind of go in a different direction because i've had guys on recently where i'm like oh thank god to myself thank god i learned that lesson because i'm talking about wrestling and i could see his answers getting shorter and shorter bring up a certain guy one word two word answer so i'm like okay that's not good but it's okay because it's not going to kill the interview that's okay then you change to something else so then i completely changed it to something i knew was in his wheelhouse boom long answers long answers bring it back to like a wrestler you get you know it's like okay but i could tell he didn't really want to talk about wrestling too much you know he wanted to talk about something that he loved like working out and staying in shape and like stuff like that so it's good to kind of know some of the stuff about outside stuff with wrestling because i was you know even learning like hey you know i want to learn about kind of like maybe some of the workout stuff or how to stay in shape or like how the hell do you stay in shape on the road like how the hell do you know where the gyms are like you know like how the hell do you know where to eat it's like you know it's it's experience but sometimes it's really fun to kind of go into those random topics because Mm. they get invested and you almost feed off their energy because they become more invested and it just doesn't become a a generic wrestling shoot interview because i kind of fell into that trap a while too where i love shoot interviews because it's just like you get the answer. It's like Ronnie, you're talking to Ronnie Garvin and he'll be like, uh, Jimmy jam. What's the relationship? And you, you get quick fire answers and you might get a lot of stuff, but it doesn't make for a fun conversation. Maybe to somebody listening, you are getting the answers you want to get, but you got to remember fans are listening. Not all fans like shoot interview style. So I even had to learn the hard thing because I love that style of, of shoot interview because I'm like a content guy. I want to learn like all this information, all this content mm. and not necessarily conversation. But then as I've grown as an interview, I'm like, man, it's like the conversation. It just sounds better. It's just a better interview. And you're kind of rolling with the guy and you become, uh, you know, smoother and you get more of a rapport with the guy. So to me, it's like, you got to be ready to go in different directions. And I did an interview recently where we were talking about wrestling and we we're getting some good answers, but I could tell he wanted to talk about other stuff too. And when I talked about other stuff too, the answers got great and he would mix in the wrestling stuff. But I mean, the answers got even better and he gave me more open, honest wrestling answers, like about some of the guys, because he was so engaged with the conversation because we were talking about stuff that he liked, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was kind of a little bit of a, of a give and take it, it, So you got to be cognizant of, of where the interview is going. And, and if the guy's giving you one word answers, it's like, okay, maybe I won't talk about, you know, certain wrestling personality that might spark a, a controversy, or maybe they don't want to go down that road. So you got to be ready for that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I try and keep on my toes as best I can sometimes like uh, when I interviewed New Jack, um, I think I was his second last interview, um, but he was giving short answers and I was panicking because I was like, oh gosh, we're about only 20 minutes in and I'm slow. I'm, I'm, I'm actually running out of questions, it seems. So I thought on my toes and I just kept thinking, okay, whilst he's giving that answer, cool, I'll branch off and ask about this. And then I'll branch off and ask about that when he gives another answer. And managed to fill the hour but uh that was one one time where i was a little bit um concerned that we were going through it too quickly but then there's also a situation like when i interviewed eric watts fantastic guy fantastic guy asked him the first question 40 minutes later the end of the first 
answer was 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 done and that interview ended up being like five and a half hours long <laughs> um, oh, <God>. <laughs> over two sessions um <laughs> but you know uh so that was interesting too like having to think on my toes okay i should omit this question omit this question otherwise we'll be here for a long time but you know the content's great great answers but very long answers um anyway and just with him to... with him though yeah. just for instance when i interviewed too that that's so funny because it's so true you have like almost like i always have like a one sheet if you will like of, of questions not really questions but like bullet points i hate mm. writing out full questions i know some people love this i actually um was was working with a guy recently and he said and he i mean this guy's very very good writer um he does podcast i mean he worked for like these big big time stuff so he even said he goes oh i like to write out the full questions and he was showing me his questions and stuff so i'm like that's interesting and i was showing him i was like i just like to do bullet points but you know i'll list like obviously what i kind of where i want to go with the bullet point but this guy was so much detailed so it, it depends on the person whichever way you want to go but eric watts was so funny i was just like Nick, not asking this, this because I got in like 10 questions over two and a half hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like his answers are so long, but then you have a guy like Barry Windham who you have to, you're going to use all those questions or you're going to use all those bullet points because he's going to give you short answers. So you just, I say overly prepare and overly be ready. You know, yeah. just like in case for new Jack, it's like, Oh man, what am I going to talk about? Or we don't have enough stuff. Like I make sure I have so much stuff that I'm not going to get to some of it. That, but what Eric Watts is the opposite. It's like not getting this, not getting this, not getting that. But he's he's awesome. A great interview. He, he is. He's a great guy. I really enjoyed his time. Um, uh, okay, I want to ask you about the Hogan era. Uh, it's another podcast of yours that you do. Could you tell me a little bit about this show? You know, for everyone out there that might might not be aware, although they should be aware if they're watching an interview with you. Uh, please tell me a bit about it. So basically, I started this, it's coming up a one year anniversary for the show. So I was just thinking, I was like, what's the best era for me in wrestling? And I love the Monday Night Wars. I love the NWO. Obviously, thanks to Hogan. Again, he saved wrestling again and and, and built it up. Um, not to say he saved it the first time, but I mean, he blew it up into a global phenomenon. So to me, I was like, what's the golden era? What's the best era in wrestling? And I'm obsessed with Hogan. I'm still, I mean, you can see all my posters and everything behind me. Um, I got so much Hogan stuff, ridiculous. And a buddy of mine who, uh, Tommy, who's got this awesome wrestling collector store, he always kind of either holds stuff on the side or says, hey, I got this Hogan thing. And so I'm getting all this old Hogan program, all this old Hogan memorabilia oh. that either I sold or I'm getting back that I was like, I've, I'm just obsessed with with the, the Hulkster. I just love him. So I'm like, man, it's like I got to have an outlet where I can just talk about Hogan because it's not that he's like underrated or undervalued, but it's almost like people are overlooking it. The guy is the only reason Vince McMahon is a billionaire. I mean, he's, he's the reason WBF wouldn't be anything without him. I mean, we could we could say piper and savage all these other guys are awesome like yeah but they're awesome because they had hogan like at, at the top i mean those guys are great and without hogan i'm sure they're great but they're not reaching the levels that they did with hulk i mean hulk is the babe ruth of wrestling the god of wrestling so the best era to me is 84 to 93 the hogan era the golden era of wbf i mean he had the title at first from 84 to 88 for a thousand fifty days or whatever it was it was over a thousand days and he dominated and it wasn't like oh it was good for a period. No, it was awesome for the whole time because he goes from feuding with like Iron Sheik, then and then you know then Doctor D David Schultz, and then he gets Piper. So I want to talk about everything, all these feuds, not really in chronological order, just like just talk about these awesome feuds. And then it's King Kong Bundy, and then it's Andre the Giant. I mean, these are things you vividly, vividly remember as a fan, and you just fall in love with it. Like this is freaking awesome. It's like Hogan is great. He's Batman, but you got to have 
other like you have to have Savage, you have to have Piper, you have to have Andre, you have to have the Joker, Riddler, Penguin, Two Face, because it wouldn't be interesting without those guys. So it's like Hogan's yes, he's a god, but you still need those guys to fight the god. You still need the guys, the dragons to to, to slay and and the monsters to destroy. So then you go with Savage, which might be the greatest feud of all time versus Hogan. Then it's Big Boss Man. You're like, this is freaking awesome. Then it's Zeus, and you're like, this is cool as hell. No, you know, no holds barred. Like, this is great. Uh, you know, the Twin Towers feud, obviously, Boss Man and Hakeem. Uh, Earthquake, you, you're like, wow, this guy injured Hulk. And, like, I hate this guy. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you become invested. You know, whether it's Yokozuna or he's making Undertaker, you know, he's making him his, his career. Uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, holy crap. It's unbelievable to see what he was able to do and all the guys he was feud feud with and it's like why are more people talking about this it's unbelievable he's the reason why you're watching wrestling for most people i'd say 90 percent of people and they don't admit it or won't won't say it but i was talking to a buddy of mine recently and, and you would think because he, you know, he's a big aew guy but he's like hulk is the reason i got into the business i'm like wow i was like why don't more people come out and say that because it's totally true and then you look at like the sergeant solar feud you look into it, it's like holy shit these boot camp matches are unbelievable like which was supposed to be the 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 real main event of rest, uh, SummerSlam 91 it wasn't supposed to be the match made in hell with Hogan a warrior would sit as the referee against the triangle or the the uh, triangle of terror there Slaughter Adnan and Mustafa it was supposed to be Hogan versus Slaughter one on one in a boot camp match and they did it at MSG which is awesome and they did it at house shows it's basically a hardcore match and these guys are killing each other and you know and there's there's some blood involved in the house shows but like that would have been awesome as the main event, but people kind of forget about it because they may maybe they only saw it on MSG or only a segment of people saw it. So I kind of want to open up people's eyes more to like, okay, Hogan had all these all awesome matches and he's almost undervalued that he's a good worker when he's having great matches everywhere. I mean, Kamala, he had a series of matches in 87 against Harley race that are like off the charts. Awesome. I mean, some of the best matches of his career, some of the best matches of Harley races career. I mean, these matches are awesome and not a lot of people saw them because they're either on the Nesson network, which is available in Boston. They're on the, uh, the Philly spectrum network, uh, prism, uh, which was only available on kind of the Philly market or my market, which was MSG, uh, the LA market had the Z channel. So, I mean, these matches are out there and they should be on the network. So more people can see them instead of going on daily motion and YouTube. So I just try to kind of uh, bring it all back together and really just kind of go into maybe even some of the backstage stuff too. But that era of 84 to 93 to Hogan is probably the reason why 90% of people are fans today. And Hogan is to thank. I mean, he's, he's a God. I mean, he's awesome. He's, he's like the end all be all for wrestling for me. Um, and to not give him the respect and to just do is crazy. Cause I'll, I'll be like, Oh shit, who do you feud with in 84? I'm like, Oh my God, there's, here's a match against George animal steel when steel was a heel. So like, ah, oh, it's cool. It's like, Oh, him versus tiger Chung Lee. And then you look recently, Hogan posted a picture. He was at tiger Chung Lee. Cause he, it was visiting from Japan doing autographs on. He was at a, a Hogan's hangout with him. So I'm like, oh, that's, like, that's a little cool little tie in there. Like Tiger Chung Lee randomly feuded with Hogan in 84. And now in, in 2022 is hanging out with the Hulkster. Or you got uh, Mr. <laughs> Fuji or, you know, it's just like Terry Funk. People forget he feuded with Terry Funk for a bit. Had some great matches. Jesse's body Ventura, Big John Studd. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the awesome feuds that he had. That here's the key point drew money and sold out and and was important and people loved it so i don't know i feel like to me it's like i love doing that show and it's like not no effort i mean there's there's obviously some research i know some of the stuff but i, I love doing the research that's some of the fun part because i'm like oh shit i didn't realize this match happened 
holy shit, even I was looking at the cage match, I'm like, man, I want to list Hogan's 100 greatest matches. So I, I, to myself, I list all his 100 greatest matches during the Hogan era. And then I came up with like 35 or 40 honorable mentions. And I'm like, shit, I don't remember that match. Or I didn't see that match. Or where, where did this match come from? And there's the matches that aren't even on cage match that were found on an unreleased Hogan DVD, yeah. uh, unreleased Macho Man DVD. So there's some awesome stuff out there from Hulk that's untapped. And I feel like everybody should be more aware that the Hogan era is the most important era ever in wrestling. Excellent, bro. And that brings me to the next question, of course, because I have to ask you, uh, after all these years of doing this, uh, you hit the pinnacle. As far as I'm concerned, you actually get to interview the Hulkster himself. So please just tell me, before you must have been pretty nervous. It must this must have been like butterflies in the stomach. Oh yeah. And of course, you know, you get to interview him. Tell me how the, the experience was and how you felt afterward. You probably celebrated. Find my best buddy, uh, Chris, and he was like, he said, You weren't really nervous with Hulk. I was surprised. I was like, Oh, I hit I hit it pretty well. <laughs> I mean, you almost have to. Usually I don't really get like nervous or worked up, only very uh, like few occasions, but obviously Hulkster. I mean, my God, yeah. it's like the uh the end all be all for me so it's like man that was a lot but you know you get you hide it you got to be professional with the hulk so i mean it's, it's short interview but i've noticed like nobody else is getting this time even Con when conrad uh got it uh hogan he got it through bischoff because bischoff was staying at hogan's house and hogan didn't wasn't very long either it was very short yeah so, i mean there's not a lot of guys i mean besides maybe like bill after who's been doing this forever and he's really good friends with hulk not a lot of guys even get to interview hulk so a lot of pressure was kind of mounting on me. It was you know, very short, but I was like, I'll take that over not having Hulk on just, you know, like everybody else is not having Hulk on. So um, it's just awesome experience. Just so cool. Just be able to ask him some questions that I really wanted to know. Even sometimes like with those like big guys, like Hulk, you might have to ask generic questions, but they've never been asked of him before, like on that scale, like on a podcast. So it's, maybe it's not generic, but to me, it's like, I'm dying to know the answers, like his top opponents of all time, or like, I really wanted to know what he thought his legacy was because to me, it's very important. Like a guy like that, like, what does he think? You know, to mm. me, I'm like Babe Ruth, God of wrestling, the best ever, you know, but yeah, he's the biggest moneymaker of all time. The probably one of the only game changers, legit game changers in, in the history of the business. So like you want to ask like certain questions and you have a million questions you want to ask, but you know, you have limited time. So so cool uh just so awesome that's one of the things we're like holy fuck like i i i wrote a list of and i know some people laugh at like people writing lists and i know cody rhodes did infamously but i wrote a list of guys i wanted to interview he's the first guy like i ever put on the list he's literally number one hulk hogan and i and i got to check him off my list and i was like wow i never thought that would happen in a million years when i did this because that was almost like ha, i'll put hulk on here never gonna interview him <laughs> and it got the chance so man butterflies were plenty but uh, that was an awesome experience cool cool as hell he's awesome that's awesome bro so happy so happy for you um uh who okay name let's name three let's name three who out there is somebody that you would like to get on the show that you haven't had the chance to get bret hart number one for sure very good so close a few times we're supposed to it was almost scheduled and it didn't happen so like and i hate when that happens too because it's like almost so bret hart number one brian danielson is definitely number two hopefully that happens i've been assured that it can happen but we'll we'll see Uh, because that's another thing to never get your hopes up to or get mad Mm. about it because like for instance for brett signed sealed delivered supposed to happen didn't happen so you never know so definitely i'd say bret hart brian danielson and stone cold steve austin those would be the top three. Oh, yeah yeah that's a 
good choices right there. I, I yeah. Have to, I have to... And Austin, it's, and it's funny too, because there's guys where I have every, like literally, and people are amazed and shocked, but I have everybody's contact information. It, it's just insane. Like I've talked to, he won't do an interview, but I've talked to Kevin Dunn before once a year, actually I talked to Kevin Dunn and I email him occasionally and stuff. So it's like, Holy shit. You talk to Kevin Dunn. You're like, you know, there's no name podcasters. Like, well, I, I have a pretty good Rolodex though. <laughs> so it's like, I could try and I can have the guy's contact information. That's, the first part of the battle actually getting them on and scheduled like oh that's the hard part like so i've i've talked to austin before and it just was like not a no but it was just like no nah, i'm not doing anything right now so it's like all right but it's like even to get him respond it's like okay that small win so you know what i mean you got to take your yeah. small wins like okay he responds so he kind of knows who i am a little bit and maybe work up to the next step where after the response you get a yes or hey we'll do it here or yeah you know you got 15 minutes here you know so it's okay because i've done that with goldberg before where it's like almost had him didn't happen then i had him was promised 10 minutes and he's like ah he goes we'll do 20 or something so yeah it's it's like almost like a little bit of a building project you're like building the bridge there's austin on the other side i'm gonna build it build him hopefully you know you get there if you don't get there you know you're not gonna take it personally or hold a grudge or anything but it's one of the things you're like i hope that happens yeah, fair enough. Uh, and I, I have to, we're getting to very close to the tail end here, John. So again, I appreciate your time. Uh, but I have to bring this up because, you know, you, you end up being a co-host on on many shows with some of the biggest names in the industry, Dutch Mantel, Shane Douglas, JJ Dillon, Dr. Tom Pritchard, Kevin Sullivan, etc. cetera. There's, there's, there's more, there's, there's more, but uh, how, 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 how fruitful has this been? And do you have any like, stories that you could you know bring up on 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 how how much it's meant to you uh with being able to work with some of these men actually like just uh like when i sit there and think about it it's like man that's just cool as hell because i grew up watching a lot of these guys like i love the heavenly bodies and it's funny dr tom always jokes around like come on nobody liked the heavenly bodies i <laughs> love them they're tag team maneuvers i liked Cornette. i mean everything about it so it's like cool as hell getting to pick his brain plus he trained the rock he trained vince he trained shane he trained kurt angle he trained mark henry uh, I always joke around. He trained the Brackus. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he didn't turn out, which is funny because Vince thought he was going to turn out better than The Rock because you know he's on, he was on all the magazine covers and he's the big muscle guy. So it's funny, like Vince even thought Brackus was going to be somebody. But it's just awesome being able to like pick his brain and talk to him because when you're a young fan, you never think that's going to happen. Sullivan, like I mean, him versus Benoit is one of my favorite feuds of all time. Obviously, he's done way more than that, and he freaking booked WCW, and he's the only booker to ever beat Vince. So yeah. him, him and Bishop, the only guys ever, and Vince is retired now, so no one can ever say they beat Vince. Well, Sullivan beat him 83 straight weeks, and really 104 out of 117, so it's two years. I mean, that's two years yeah. of dominance right there. So uh, we could say 83 weeks. It's way more than 83 weeks, but um, that's just cool as hell. Awesome to pick Dutch's brain. Shane Douglas is awesome. He's my favorite wrestler from ECW. Him and Bam Bam were like, I don't know, I love that. So sometimes it's like surreal. It's like, wow, it's really cool. And even if it's like a like JJ, we knew it was just going to be a limited because he is getting older and he kind of doesn't want to do as much. He'll do interviews, so he doesn't want to do as much anymore. So you know it's like a limited thing. So you kind of take advantage of what you can and you get what you can, get out of it and get really preserve history to for for the most part, which is which has been kind of the cool part. But to me, just to sit back, like, man, it's really cool, really surreal. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you can sit there and be like, oh, but uh Conrad's doing a show with Mick Foley. It's like that's great. But like, I, I know I love Dr. Tom, like, you know, certain guys grew up loving certain guys and, and you kind of, you know, you kind of just fall into it. like Shane Douglas, like, man, I always love the franchise. It's so cool. to get to talk to him and really kind of preserve history and talk about stuff. Maybe that a lot of people haven't talked about before or open up about certain stuff. So 
to me, I, I love um, doing shows with those guys. It's kind of like an honor to be able to do it and really, um, like I said, preserve history, but really just cool as hell as a fan to like pick their brain and be like, man, like the Sullivan, like, man, I remember watching that. Why the hell did Luger beat Hogan on that nitro? <laughs> like, you know, why did he win the title? Like that was awesome. And I loved it, but why? And he was like, it was the big nitros nitro 100. Um, so, you know, you're learning stuff too. And, and as a fan, you almost go back like, man, I wish I knew that then what I knew now, but it's cool. It kind of going back and forth as a fan, but then as a you know, as historian, as Dusty Rhodes, you're not a Mark, John, you're Johnny, you're a historian. <laughs> So whenever anybody says, you're such a Mark pause, I'm like, not according to Dusty Rhodes. I'm going to take him <laughs> over you. But like when, when Sullivan says that, it's like, wait, it kind of brings out the Mark and you're like, oh, that's awesome. But then it's like the story inside. It's like, wait a second. So he lost because Hogan knew the big rematch and Hogan gets pay-per-view points and he gets money off the pay-per-view if it hits a certain number. So it's like, if the rematch will draw more money on pay-per-view and Hogan wins back the title, and I said, I was like, man, he's so smart. Like Hogan, to think about that. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I'll lose on this sold out show at Auburn Hills, huge show, Nitro 100, and, and create this huge buzz going into the pay-per-view, which will then sell more buys, which did about 20,000 more than the previous year. So you could see there was a success there. And it, Hogan was right. There was more interest in the rematch. Hopefully it works the same for AEW with Punk and, and Mox, if that's the direction where they're going, where they'll have something, where they'll have the rematch of the pay-per-view. You never know if that's, the way direction or way it's going to work, but it worked for WCW. They had the rematch five days later and it did. The buzz was big and Hogan won the, won the title match and that kind of set them off to even bigger business. So sometimes that works, but it's awesome to talk to Sullivan and, and kind of get his take. Like, why did Luger only have the title for that long? And then he yeah. explaining it to you and like, shit, that makes sense. I'm like, well, Hogan's pretty smart. Like that's pretty savvy. Like, Oh, and he gets pay-per-view points. Oh, he gets extra money when the pay-per-views reach a certain thing. No wonder. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a it's smart business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for anyone out there that was ever so upset over Lex's six-day title reign. Now oh, he, Lex was excited as hell about it. Hogan didn't. <laughs> it's Hogan had creative control. He decided he wanted to lose to Luger. He yep. picked Luger. So, I mean, Luger loves it. He didn't care if it was for a day or yeah. five days or six days. Yeah. And he was hot at the time. He was, the crowds were with him at that time. That's for sure. And it's um, funny. Look, look what Vince wasn't able to do with Luger. Look what Sullivan did with him. Over, exactly. Over. That's yep. so true. Um, cool. Well, thanks for sharing about all those guys. Uh, another question I have for you, John, is what are some other goals of yours in the world of podcasting? Is there something that you hope to achieve uh, that you haven't yet, uh, you know, in the future. I like being independent, but it'd be great to be like on a, maybe a major network or something. I don't know who or where or why or how, but it'd be great to kind of even be bigger almost, you know, like you could be big or you can attain certain goals, but it's always good to keep looking. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to reach the mountaintop or have to be in a major network, but it's nice to, to make that a goal or to look at it or attain for that, or to, to, to go to reach for that. Um, that would be nice. Maybe a major network um, to check off my big thing, check off all the names on my list. I'm very OCD with checking stuff off on my list. I got to get it done. You know what I mean? Hey, oh, oh, I got to get the, the cat food. I got I to gotta make sure I get that done today. You know what I mean? You, you, I got to do food. Check. I mean, you got to make sure it's the same thing for my list. I got to check off those names. I got to check Brett off that list. I got to check off <laughs> um, Brian Danielson and Austin. I got to get Booker T on. You know what I mean? Like I got to check off the list. So maybe a major network and maybe just continue to um, to check off that list and, and, and get everybody interviewed and accomplish all the goals. Cool. Uh, a couple more questions now, John. I wanted to kind of get away from talking about the podcasting and just kind of just talk about wrestling with you. Um, what are your thoughts on the current landscape of pro wrestling? 
So I'm not the biggest fan as I used to be. Like I'll find myself watching old stuff more than new stuff. Um, my son it is seven and he was just, my, my wife hates wrestling, which is just crazy. But uh, <laughs> he, he likes for some reason because of like all the YouTube and the movies that he loves the rock. So I got him a rock figure. I mean, he, he, he has a couple of the wrestling figures too, but he just loves the rock and he knows I love Hulk. He goes, did Hulk ever wrestle the rock? I'm like, <laughs> I was like, this is, this is fucking awesome. I was like, yes. <laughs> so I, I texted my buddy who, who I watched this WrestleMania with, obviously watched a lot of WrestleManias with, but I said, my son uh, wants to watch Hogan rock. He's like, oh, that's fucking awesome. I was like, yep. So we put it on. He's kind of interested, kind of interested, you know, not really kind of paying attention. And then he goes, oh, I go, Hulk never loses. He goes, really? Never lose? Like, nope, Hulk never loses. He's the best. So Rock hits him with the rock, the first rock bottom, and Hulk kicks out. He's like, Hulk's going to lose right here. And he kicked. And then, then he was into it. Then he was super into it because he thought Rock was going to win. And then he thought Hulk was going to win because I was pretending like, yes, the leg drop. I go, it's over. He never loses. Oh, rock kicked out. And then it's funny. Then he goes three rock bottoms. Oh my God. He goes the people's elbow. Oh, so <laughs> that, that was really cool just to kind of, you know, to get him to, to get into, into, I know I'm kind of going off topic. No, <laughs> that's fine. Really. That was like a cool moment where it's like, shit, it's like, yes, he likes, uh, you know, he likes Hogan and rock, you know, he likes wrestling, but he was loving that the rock won. Of course. He's like, wow, Hulk lost. I can't believe Hulk lost, but um, <laughs> I was sorry to, to, to break off from the question. <laughs> No, that's okay, but I, I completely know where you're coming from. Uh, like, on our channel, uh, on our YouTube channel, we review every pay-per-view that we can, you know, from NWA to Impact, etc. Um, So that's how I keep up with what's going on, but I can't really watch any of the weekly product at this stage. So yeah, it's not really as good, but I've noticed mm. the pay-per-views and the premium live events, like, they're usually pretty good. Like yeah. I'm usually pretty satisfied with that. And to be honest, people can say what they want about dynamite. Like the show's not good and rampage stinks. to be honest. I mean, I, they got to retool that show. It's just not mm. good. And even battle of the belts has been kind of a disappointment and dynamite's yep. up and down. This past week was very good. I, this is the first show I really liked in a while, but say what you will, but AEW, they've never had a bad pay-per-view. They knock it out of the park with the pay-per-views. They're always have good matches, whether it's one match, two matches, Hell, they had one pay per view I saw. Uh, I think was was it all out last year? They had like eight matches, which were good. So it's like I try to keep up with it as much as I can. Obviously, do the review show for uh, for Russo with uh, Just Incredible on on AEW. So I have to watch Dynamite every week. But um, I'm not as into it as I used to be. So I'll watch some old stuff more than new stuff. But when I do watch the new stuff, I am always entertained by the pay per views and the premium live events. Like Raw can stink and SmackDown can stink, but hell roman reigns matches every time i'm hooked like i knew he would beat lesnar but i was hooked i didn't even pay attention i was just hooked to the match so um i love cody rhodes like i love the, the signing of the b and they scooped him away from aw sucks that he got hurt but every match he was in with seth rollins was awesome um it's just to me you could probably skip the tv and hell just watch the pay-per-views and, and the <laughs> premium live events because that's the only kind of good thing and they're entertaining but at least they put effort into it and they can't knock the production value i mean the production value of wb is, is is through the roof so it's okay and i keep up with everything and i try to you know know as much as i can yeah, obviously you know all the champions and stuff but you try to watch as much as you can but really only entertained by the big shows and watching old wrestling i find myself like i love the biography like i could know all the stuff yeah. in the biography but i love watching it again and learning new stuff and watching lex luger at the 
Packers practice being lazy while he's talking about how he was lazy. I mean, like, that's just cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Stuff like that is awesome. So I, I love that. And, and going back and reliving it and, you know, even the DX thing, the, the, you know, Waltman is talking about something, they'll show it. Triple H talking about stuff like I, I love that kind of stuff, that production stuff, and, and going back to watch some old school stuff. Yeah, they may have changed history on some of that stuff. Like uh, Austin is the reason <laughs> that that uh, WWE BWCW, not DX. No offense, to DX. I mean, <laughs> they might be on the list. They're like down the list. It's like Steve Austin is the reason, and then everybody else is down here. So they changed history a little bit on some of those. But I do, I really like that. I like watching rivals. Like I, I'll, I'll love watching any of the, the old stuff and hell I'll, I'll pop on. Like I said, WrestleMania 18 for, <laughs> for my son and hell, even for myself. Cause I wanted to watch that match again. Yeah, that's cool, bro. Uh, and, uh, this is kind of like my, my last question before I'm going to get you to plug all the things that you're doing, but for you, what makes a perfect episode of wrestling television? So I feel like you got to hook the person from the beginning. And I feel like they did that this week on Dynamite. But even when I was watching this old Nitro, Nitro 100 um, recently, I feel like if they hook you from the beginning and then throughout the show, you kind of know where the main event is or you kind of know where they're heading or the big, the big thing at the end. It could be a stare down. It could be a, even it could be a contract saying, no, I don't really like those, but it could be something where you're leading into the main event. Like, I like that. Like, yeah, you talk about it. Like, let's just say Nitro 100, for instance. Hogan comes out first and has a promo and you know Hogan versus Luger's later on. Then they show a Luger video package. So it's like, this is cool. Maybe Luger can beat Hogan. Then they interview Luger. Then they have another video package. Then they have like, it's got to be something where it's threaded throughout the show. Yeah. Where you're interested, you get people to continue to watch, but you have to have interesting stuff through, through the whole show. Like for instance, I was even cracking up and I know some people hate it, but the Ezekiel, Elias now he's Eddie Murphy and his whole family he, he does the little parts are, like to me I'm like see that can't, that keeps my attention for the whole show like okay that's hilarious oh and then Lashley's fighting AJ oh oh shit it's like okay you're keeping my interest and you know what I mean like little stuff like that where it could be a big match but it's like you keep my interest little by little even if it's a stupid Ezekiel Elias thing like that's funny humorous you, you keep my interest at least you're trying yeah like storyline like attitude error people like oh it doesn't hold up if you were like watching it back then and actually watching it it, it, and i don't give a shit about that hold up stuff that's so dumb because you didn't watch it back then that's why you know what i mean like those fans didn't watch it um like it was awesome because you're interested to the godfather you know you you, you chuckle or you're like oh the whole i mean and then it's like oh kayantai it it might be stupid they're chopping off valvina's peepee or whatever but like (laughs) you're interested you're like that's weird but you know like just keep your interest but the whole thread through the whole show is what is austin going to do to mcmahon yeah. what's he going to do to mcmahon or like wow austin versus x-pac in the main event or who you know whatever austin shamrock whatever austin kane in the main event just it keeps your interest through the whole show so to me start off hot thread some interesting stuff through the show obviously thread that main event storyline and the ending the beginning and the end need to be hot and the middle needs to be interesting very cool, bro. Excellent answer. Uh, John, pause now before we get to our final segment. I uh, want you to have the chance now to plug everything that's going on in the world of John Paz. So you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. I just put up two interviews on there that will not ever probably be put up. Maybe never, but be put up by Two Man Power Trip. I interviewed Onita. And uh, had a, his wife, who's a translator. So that's going to be up there, which should be a part of a project I'm working on. And so will this r- very rare recent interview I did with Terry Funk, uh, which will be up on there. So I put that on my Patreon. Just 
because it's it's part of a bigger project and it won't be revealed till later on. And I might never release the interviews until this project comes out. So I just want to kind of just throw that out there. But obviously, you got taking to school with Dr. Tom Pritchard, Taskmaster Talks, Kevin Sullivan, the Hogan era, um, and a lot of other shows are really my main focus always is the two man power trip interview series, which which is you know it's basically a one man power trip, it's basically a one one man band. We kind of became popular as two man power trip, so I couldn't change the name and. Yeah, you because know, it, it got big as a TMPT, so I kind of kind of keep the name, even though technically I'm really a one-man band and a one-man a power trip. Um, but really, the focus is there, getting the big interviews. Uh, check out the Hogan interview. Check out the Ric Flair interview. I've interviewed Sting, Goldberg, Hall, Nash, Six, Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard, uh, George Animal Steel, Jesse Ventura. So please check out the archives for all those interviews. Uh, they're they're a blast. Like that's my uh, my bread and butter there i mean i love doing the hogan era i love obviously sullivan and pritchard but um i love doing the interviews and just getting these rare guys getting famous guys getting guys i loved uh i just recently interviewed jack evans and people might say oh, he, he had some screw-ups and then AEW and blah blah i loved him from roh he's a guilty pleasure of mine always one of my favorites so guys like that like that i get a kick out of and and you know the fans too because I, I saw the download them which were pretty good because he had a lot to say about AEW. so obviously i mean hot button topic there but to me i'm going to interview some guys that i love too like i'll do this for the fans and, and, and this for this and this to promote this but i'll do some stuff for me too because that's important and guys that just like pray frankly like could be my favorite wrestlers that i freaking love like i know ronnie garvin's a rare interview but i love interview i always love ronnie garvin so it's like i'll cherish that almost not as much as hogan but almost as much as some of the other big interviews so check out uh, the tmpt feed for some of the latest could be anybody could be new school old school just random guys guys that i love could be anybody excellent john and all of that information that john's just mentioned will be down in the description on youtube check it all out uh onita that's pretty that's that's huge bro. yeah that was that was surreal <laughs> too because the way it happened and how quick it happened it was in philly for a convention and my buddy was um wanting me to to go because obviously he lives nowhere near philly i'm only an hour away i'm like i could do it and he's like how are you gonna do the interview i was like i'll, I'll literally do the interview on my phone and his wife is there she can translate it for me and we wanted autographs and all this other stuff so i mean we we did this whole package with him man he he was he was awesome he was so cool and he, like i thought like oh man he might be upset because i'm kind of taking time away from the line <laughs> you know the autograph line to do it but he didn't give two shits like he was he was loving it and he's like you remember me like because he barely speak english but he's like you remember me from years ago and you came all the way down here to see me who's from japan like it was kind of like a really kind of surreal thing to think about it's like yeah i drove all the way over here to see a guy from that flew over here from japan and his wife is going to translate it for me because we want to talk about 1990s wrestling you know it's like a weird <laughs> surreal kind of thing but it's awesome because it's like shit it's pretty cool because he's another guy because I, I i don't really like they say garbage wrestling it's funny it's how punk referred to it garbage wrestling i'm not really a big fan of like hardcore wrestling i mean i like it and, but i like how there's a feud involved but he supersedes that to me like there's certain guys like where i'm like oh, i don't really like um deathmatch wrestling but certain guys is like i'm giving him a pass i don't give a shit like nick gage is ridiculous but like i, I can give him a pass you know what i mean like certain guys like Schlack, I'm not like a huge fan of, and people are like, oh, how do you not like Schlack? I'm like, I'm not giving him a pass. I'll give Nick Gage a pass. Like Onita, he gets like the pass of all pass and that stuff. I'm like, I love that shit when he does it. <laughs> I don't know, like, like if um, uh, another guy did it, like one of his, like his feuds, like 
Mr. Ganeske or I don't know, like some other guy did it, Fuji or something, some other feud. I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying it. But if Onidi does something, like, oh, he's too prestigious. He he gets the pass. <laughs> so it's like I don't really like um like the deathmatch stuff, but he gets a pass. I don't know, like you're enthralled by the guy. He's just like a legend. He's kind of like the godfather of it. So it's like he gets a pass. So it's like surreal. It's like, man, um, I love this guy. Like he's just like it's so freaking cool. Like the shit that he did in the exploding matches and man, like almost burning the sheik on fire and Sabu on fire. And like <laughs> yeah. it's just like he gets a pass. So like Jack Evans, I don't like that flippity floppity bullshit. Jack Evans gets a pass of all passes. He could do that shit all day long. And, and I love it. Certain guys, it's like they have the charisma and you connect with them, so they get a pass. It's like, oh, I don't like those muscle-bound guys, but like for some reason i always like hercules you got a pass he's not a great worker no he is to me he can have great matches so some guys get passes and doing it with onita is cool as hell and he he gets a pass i don't care if i don't like deathmatch wrestling he gets a pass he's awesome <laughs> excellent john works that's really cool to hear uh and it's time for the final segment here on the show five second frenzy i'd like you to try and get each answer done in five seconds but even if you can't it's okay doesn't matter you can't get in trouble um, right. Obviously, we already know the answer to the first question, but I'm going to ask anyway. Who was your favorite professional wrestler of all time? The immortal Hulk Hogan. Absolutely <laughs> the Hulkster. Excellent. Uh, if, if there's one particular match from the history of pro wrestling, um, what's your favorite match? Oh, man. There, literally, there's so many matches. I love, um, there was a match in uh, Ring of Honor, um, it was called uh, Unified. It was for the pure title and the world title. Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness. Title for title. Love that match. That match is awesome. Man, there's so many matches from ROH. I love Samoa Joe versus Kent Kobashi. I love Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man. I love the WrestleMania match, even though Meltzer should have rated it higher. He rated it a little low, but I love Hogan Savage, um, WrestleMania 5. Hogan Rock, WrestleMania 18. I love the boot camp match from MSG with Hogan and Slaughter. I mean, I could probably go on. I used to have one match. I could probably go on and on and on. There's, there's, and I'm missing about a million. There's so many, but just the first one was Danielson and McGinnis. I, I love that match. I thought those guys had great chemistry and, you know, I'm a big fan of pretty much uh, most Hogan matches, pretty much, especially Hogan and Savage. Their chemistry was, was unbelievable. Excellent, John. Uh, we're moving away from wrestling now. Do you have a favorite book? Hmm. Honestly, it would probably be a wrestling book. It'd probably be Bret Hart's wrestling book. Because um, honestly, I don't read too many books that aren't like sports related or yeah, um, I'm the or, same. Or, or wrestling. Yeah. And there's a bunch of um, like World War II books that I I, I love and I kind of get into. So if it's not like history, if it's not uh, wrestling, and if it's not like sports, not not that into it. Like forget the name, but there's a book about the '98 Yankees that like I, I yeah was really into. But if it's not sports, wrestling, or probably history, I won't read it. Fair enough. Um, do you have a favorite TV show? Of all time, I would have to say probably Seinfeld. If we're going to go comedy, probably Seinfeld. Excellent. Uh, do you have a favorite film? The Usual Suspects, without a doubt. There's so many other movies that I absolutely love. Um, like, I love Big Lebowski. I love The Shootist with John Wayne. That movie's freaking awesome. Especially if you know that he's about to die, too. Like, when he's filming it, literally, the movie parallels real life right. is awesome. But but first and foremost, The Usual Suspects, awesome movie. Such good writing, such good acting. Unbelievable. Very cool. Uh, favorite musical artist or band? ACDC. Easy. Yep, I can see that. The big poster behind me, yep. 
Yeah. Actually, Very you see John Wayne behind me back there too, right next to ACDC, <laughs> and Hulk behind me. Yep. <laughs> so all the all the answers to these questions might be just found in the background there. Yeah. Yeah. All uh, the clues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh get moving away from the arts now john favorite food oh good question cheeseburger oh very good answer uh do you have a favorite place to eat on the road there's this place called barnacle bills which is about 25 minutes 30 minutes from here uh, it's in rumson new jersey that is the best that's my favorite spot Excellent. Nice to finally get an answer that isn't Cracker Barrel or Waffle House. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Those places are good, too. No, no knock. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just that we get that answer pretty much every time. If it's not that, it probably Denny's or something like that. Um, uh, okay. Favorite alcoholic beverage, or if you don't drink, just your favorite beverage in general. I am a big Blue Moon guy. Well, I was a big Blue Moon guy. I would probably say Blue Moon. I don't know why. I guess that orange beer, it just gets to me. Uh, but I just really, I, any kind of light beer I usually drink, but when I want to go heavy, it's usually like Blue Moon. Like if I'm, I'm on vacation, I'll just drink Blue Moon. And if I'm by the beach, you always got to go margarita. I don't know why. Like you got to be listening to Jimmy Buffett and you got to have margarita <laughs> if you're by the beach, but it's mostly Blue Moon. Excellent choice. Uh, second last one here, John, the naughtiest one of five second frenzy. Favorite female body part? You see a good looking lady. Where might John Poz look at first? The face. I don't know why that always gets me. They have to have a pretty face. Like they could have big boobs and a, and a nice ass, but it's like, that's great. And they have an awesome body. But like, I don't know, to me anyway, I firstly get attracted to the face. And then obviously if they have the boobs and it's like, Ooh, this is a two for two here. And then the ass, you know, you're three for three, but really the face is really what, what gets me first. Very good. That's a great answer. And the last one here on five second frenzy, John, what is your favorite curse word? Gotta be fuck. I probably say it way too much. And I shouldn't be cursing. And the kids probably hear me say it all the time. Like my daughter, I was saying that something happened. I think it was a the Yankee game. And they, they blew the lead or something. And I was like, fuck. So then she's like, she's like, fuck or something. I go, no, no, fox. And I pretended I quickly found like a fox. And I was like, fox. So she's like, fox. I was like, yes, yes, fox, fox. But yeah, def definitely uh, fuck. And I say it too much. <laughs> That's great, bro. You really do know how to think on your toes. John Poz. Thank you so much for your time uh, to be on my show here, The Insider's Edge. Uh, this has been so much fun. My face hurts from smiling. I've really enjoyed hearing about how you do your thing and also just the stories of your fandom and uh, just your time loving what we both love, which is professional wrestling. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Had a blast, man. Thank you for making it so easy. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problems, John. And thank all of you out there for checking out my interview here with my new friend, John Poz, I'm California. This is the Insider's Edge podcast, and we will see you down the road. Thank you. Peace.